Hi, this is Shalom Black. I'm the county's grant program manager, um, and I am glad to be presenting the webinar version of our fiscal year 2020 nonprofit grants kickoff and overview. We're going to take a look at the agenda for this webinar. First of all, we're going to take a look at the application itself in depth. And then we're going to review three different topics a little more in depth. Um, each of them uh, was identified as an area where um, nonprofits could use a little more training. So we're going to talk about evaluation, strategic planning, and organizational governance. The purpose of the county's grant program is to strengthen the county's coordination and collaboration with nonprofit partners and to ensure local funds are leveraged in the most effective manner for core safety net services that assist vulnerable and disadvantaged individuals and families in meeting a critical need for safety, health, security, and independence. Something that I've found useful in um, my background as a um, grant writer and a nonprofit executive is um, really thinking about why it is that we write grants, what it is we want to accomplish. Um, and this has helped to influence our thinking in creating the grant program um, for Loudoun County's human service nonprofits. Um, so this quote comes from Barbara Flourish from the Grantsmanship Center. For funders, a grant award is an investment in positive change. It's a tool they use for having an impact on issues they care about. Nonprofits must consider grants from a mission-focused perspective. Since the point of a grant award is impact rather than money, the real point of a grant proposal is to rally the necessary resources to help the nonprofit fulfill its purpose, to address important issues within their communities. So a grant proposal is actually a call to action. It's a request that a funder join the nonprofit as a partner in achieving specific results. At its best, a grant proposal is a cogent, persuasive, well-supported argument for change. I really like that concept of a grant proposal as a call to action and encourage you to think about that as you're preparing your proposal. What is it that you're asking Loudoun County to partner with you to um, change in this community. Based on feedback that we've received from our um, fiscal year 19 applicants, we have made some changes to this year's application. Um, this is sort of a high level overview of those changes and we'll dive into a little more depth uh, with each of these as we uh, proceed through this training. First of all, uh, we've added an element uh, called partnership applications where additional points are available for applications in which two or more organizations partner to provide a program. We also are providing continued clarification on the application. So there was more detailed guidance added around organizational health, we streamlined some application questions, and we also added additional narrative space to um, allow 
you to provide some context for the data that you're giving us. In addition to that, um, part of what we're doing is giving some um, additional resources through this training and some of our online documents um, that um, we think will help to strengthen your application. We also set a funding limit. So um, as we did last year, uh, we're limiting organizational requests to no more than 30% of their current operating revenue. And individual awards are going to be limited to no more than 10% of the competitive processes fiscal year 2020 budget. Now the board has not yet set that budget. They won't do that until April. But uh, last year's budget for the nonprofit grants program was $1,090,070. So 10% would be $109,000 approximately. Just to give you an idea, um, in terms of 2019 applications that we received last year, we had 46 eligible applications submitted. 31 of those were funded, and that includes eight mini grants. So the Board of Supervisors has approved four areas of need, and any grants that are funded must be directly related to one of these four areas. Prevention and self-sufficiency um, these are services that are focused on assisting individuals and families in becoming um, or remaining independent and stable and providing tools, skills, strategies, and resources to individuals and families. The second one is crisis intervention and diversion. These are services that are provided to individuals and families in crisis to overcome immediate problems and reduce or prevent further penetration to more restrictive and expensive higher level services. The board also wants to fund long-term support services. Um, those are services that focus on assisting individuals who have continuing long-term support needs to remain healthy, safe, and independent in the community. And finally, improved quality of human services. And those are services and opportunities provided to individuals, organizations, and communities that enhance the quality, accessibility, accountability, and coordination of services provided by community organizations. So in addition to meeting one of those four areas of need that we discussed, there are other eligibility criteria that an organization must meet in order to be considered for an award. First of all, you must be a 501c3 nonprofit certified by the Internal Revenue Service at the time of application. The mission must be consistent with the county's overall mission. There must be a documented data-driven need for the organization's program or service. Uh, your organization has to have the administrative resources to administer funds and to implement and oversee the program or service. The funding request needs to be realistic given the service level and the organization should not rely predominantly on county grant funds. Um, as we mentioned, it needs to impact one of the areas of need. 
There must be demonstrated outcomes for the program or service. It needs to provide a direct benefit to Loudoun residents. Uh, it should enhance the county government's functions. And you should show a documented effort to secure funding from other sources. Now, there are two different funding types that um, have been created to um, help our nonprofits. The first one is new as of last year, and that's called a mini grant. Basically, it's a simplified application that focuses more on sort of the program elements of uh, the application. The funding limit for those is $5,000. The other then is our full or competitive grant process. On that process, the questions are more in depth and there's a higher accountability in that you have quarterly reports that are due to the county and you're um, expected to provide more information about your organizational health in the application. So in terms of the time frame, the online applications are due January 18th at 5 p.m. I highly recommend that you do not wait till 4.59 p.m. because if something were to go wrong and there were a technical error, um, we would need to be able to contact our uh, information technology department and get their assistance in order to get your application processed and in by 5 p.m. I'll be available to answer questions up till 5 p.m. on January 18th. You can submit those questions to my email address or you can call me. My phone number is on the last slide of this presentation. After the um, applications are submitted, they will be reviewed by a team of our county staff consisting of um, financial staff as well as program area experts. And then the awards will be recommended to the board at their April 18th meeting. We're going to take a look at the application itself. And um, this is just a quick overview of the different things that are um, asked on the application. Um, we ask for your organizational information, the agency services, goals and outcomes evaluation, financial information, organization staff and board of directors, budget request, and then we have a section for required documentation. Now for the mini grant, not all of these sections are included. Um, we use the same application for the mini grant as we do for the full grant. So uh, some of those are actually hidden for the mini grant. Here is the link. We're going to click on it. Bring the screen over here so that you can see the landing page. Now this is um, some general information and all of the resources that are related to the county grant process. 
Um, you can see under applications or online, that's where you click to access the application. We also have our evaluation plan template here um, and a manual that explains the application process. We have a specific manual for the mini grants process, which is down here. Um, and then additional resources will be here listed under resources. There are two other trainings here um, I should mention. One is on grant goals and outcomes, and one is on Grants 101. Those are webinars that I um, presented last year, and they are posted here again for your reference if that's something that might be helpful to you. So let's go ahead and click on Access the Applications. So this brings up the full application. You can see it's relatively long. Um, the most important thing is as soon as you open this up, please click on this applying for mini grant of $5,000 or less. Um, if you click yes, that gives you a much shorter application with just six or seven questions um, that you need to fill out. And they're specific to the mini grant process. If you click no, that brings up the questions that are specific to the full or competitive grant process. So you're going to want to make sure that you do that right away, or it might be very confusing as you're going through and filling out the application because you'll have both sets of questions listed there. Um, you also need to select whether or not this is a partnership application. Now, this is something we're going to go into more depth on uh, later in the training. Um, but basically, a partnership application is where um, two or more organizations decide that they are going to partner together to provide coordinated services. The lead applicant, whoever you decide that should be, um, is the person that's the organization that will distribute the funding if it's received, and they are the ones that will fill out their agency information um, for the application form. We'll go into that in a little more depth. So we'll take a look at this. A lot of the information is the same as the mini grants, so I will um, run through the full grant proposal. New this year, um, some of the applicants are based in um, jurisdictions outside of Loudoun County. So you would fill in your primary organization address here. If you have a Loudoun specific address and your organization is based outside of the county, you'd fill in your Loudoun address here. Um, basic information about your organization, the contact person, um, if you attended a grant training session or you uh, watched the webinar, please uh, list the date here as well as the name of the person who attended. Also new this year, we uh, specifically list the four areas of need, which we uh, discussed earlier. And what we would like is for you to check one or several boxes 
that are most closely aligned with the program or the services that your organization is requesting funding for. It might be one, it might be several. It doesn't impact st scoring if you have more than one. Um, so please choose whatever is the most accurate. And then in question one, you're going to talk about how your proposed funding request relates to the areas of need that you've chosen. We also want to know your organization's major accomplishments or milestones uh, since it was established. We ask that you limit that to no more than 10. Uh, you'll see in tiny little print here, um, there are some additional uh, clarifications and directions that are given on some of the questions. Um, so for example, this one gives examples of milestones um, and that would include achievements like growth, accreditation, awards, or major grants. Um, I apologize for the tiny print, but this is something that we can't change within our uh, application program. The second part is your agency services. Um, some of you I know will be applying for operational funding. Um, in that case, we ask that you give an overview of all the programs and services that you offer to Loudoun residents as part of these questions. Um, if you're just applying for funding for a specific program or service, then you just would describe that particular program in the context of your larger organization. Um, so this is basically a program description in question three. Question four is asking whether you use any evidence-based programs that are rated effective or promising. There are a number of federal registries in different fields that um, have a list of all of the evidence-based programs that they rate effective or promising. Um, I would encourage you to do a search for um, programs that you're using to see if they show up on any federal websites um, that list them as being evidence-based. We also have added a question um, asking whether your organization is accredited either nationally or otherwise. Um, we would like to know uh, by what agency and for what time frame, and then how that can be verified. Is it listed on a website? Is it um, you know, a certificate that you can provide a copy of? Um, this is something that we're interested in because it shows that you are um, being held to a higher state or national standard for the services that you're providing. So you've had to do um, a lot of additional work. Number six is a question we've been asking for a while, um, and it's how you are providing a benefit to individuals who live in Loudoun and what the need is that you are addressing. Um, we've broken it down to be a little more specific in terms of what we're looking for in this question. We want to see data that's specific to your field of service. Um, we would like to see demographic information about the residents that you serve. And um, if this is an existing program, 
we'd like to see some metrics that have that show the impact of your program um, in previous years. So we ask that in this one in particular, you cite sources for the data that you're providing to us. We're also asking you for uh, information about the clients that you serve. We'd like to see the number of unduplicated clients that are served by your program, as well as the number of Loudoun County residents that are being served by your program. We'd like to know then uh, in a little more depth in question seven, how you track that overall number of participants that are served by your program. Um, the other thing that we're asking that's new this year is for a description of the number of visits or service contacts for the participants you're serving. We're aware that some organizations um, serve a smaller number of people, but have multiple contacts almost daily or weekly. And so that's a higher level of service that you're providing to a limited group of individuals. And we wanted to have a way of representing that above and beyond just number of clients that you're serving throughout the year. We also would like to know which Loudoun County government departments you work with and which other organizations you work with um, to provide services. We've rephrased uh, a question nine that uh, is something we've been asking specifically about volunteers in the past. And now we're talking more in terms of community resources. We realize that not every organization can utilize volunteers because of the nature of the services that you're providing. And um, so we just would like to see how you are using uh, resources from your community and providing the services to the community. And 10 is a question of impact. Um, if you didn't receive this funding in fiscal year 20, how would our county residents be impacted? Um, if this is a new application and you did receive funding as a result of it, how would that impact county residents next year? For part three, this is the goals and outcomes evaluation plan. And for um, those of you doing the full or competitive grant, you are going to find that on this main landing page um, by clicking on evaluation plan template. And it will bring that up. You can save it wherever you like and then click to open it. Okay, it opens it and then you'll go through and you'll fill it out. I'm gonna go into that a little bit later in the training in more depth. But that's where the evaluation plan template is. Now, if you are doing a mini grant, we're gonna select yes here to assume that you're doing a mini grant. And it looks a little different for you. You don't have to download 
a separate plan, all you need to do is um, identify two numerical targets that will be your objectives that you want to achieve by June 30th. Um, you'll describe how those objectives for your program relate to the areas of need. And um, for each of the objectives, you want to identify the data source you're going to use to provide you with the information to determine your program success. So you can do that here within the application if you're doing a mini grant. Switch that back. So for those of you that are doing the Fuller Competitive Grant, once you've filled out the Microsoft Word document that has the evaluation plan on it, you'll upload it here just by pressing the upload button. It'll bring up a little window. You'll click on the file and um, you can attach it that way. We ask in part four for some of your financial information, uh, the fiscal year start date and end date. This is also an area where you can um, give us additional information about your financial statements. Uh, so we know in talking with many of you last year that there are sometimes that that uh, things will happen in uh, the course of an audit or uh, in the course of a financial year that might throw up a red flag for um, a funder, but that have a logical um, explanation. So this is where we want to allow you all to provide some additional explanation if there is something like that that might throw a red flag for um, us as funders when we review your financial statements, um, just allowing you a little more uh, space to provide context for the data you're giving us. Part five uh, takes a look at the organization's staff and board of directors. Um, and you, in the first part, are going to fill in the uh, information about any staff salary whose salaries are going to be funded by the county request, um, their title, um, whether they're uh, a full-time or part-time, what their annual salary is and the percent that you propose the county funds will uh, pay for. In this section, we would like to see the numbers of all the staff who are serving Loudoun County, whether or not you are requesting funding for them from the county. Um, so your current number of paid staff, current number of volunteer staff, And then in the next section, we're asking about your board. Um, we would like to know the name of your board members. If they hold a position um, as an officer, you can list it here, position on board. Their most recent profession, most recent employer and title, their area of expertise, if that's applicable, the number of years of experience that they hold in that area, and then the other thing that we are asking is whether they're related to paid staff. Um, this is something that comes up often as a conflict of interest um, as we review um, healthy boards. Um, but again, we've provided you with a text box here and you can provide additional information. Um, maybe you have a board member who's related to a paid staff person, but they're not um, in a management position 
or um, maybe you've uh, got some way in your bylaws of working around any conflict of interest that might occur by having um, a relative of, of a paid staff person on your board. The other thing I'd like to point out here is that um, on this particular chart and in a couple of different places throughout the application, you have the opportunity to add lines by clicking add. Um, so you can add as many of those as you need to. And if you get too many, you click on the X and it goes away. The other thing I'd like to point out um, before I forget is that there is no limit on the amount of text that you can enter in any of these boxes. So um, we do not put character limits on any of these things. As a former grant writer, that was one of my major pet peeves. Uh, so that's something that I've made sure we did not impose on you either. This is a new section this year, and I want to make sure that we <clears throat> cover um, organizational competencies and that everyone has an understanding of why we're asking for this information. Um, so in each of these areas, um, financial management, legal matters, personnel management, operations, public relations, and strategic thinking or planning, research from the nonprofit community um, has shown that someone at either the board level or the management level of staff should have some competency in each of these six areas. Now, it might be that one person has competency in three or four of these areas, um, or it could be if you're a large organization that you have multiple people with financial expertise or operational expertise. We wanted to give some flexibility to you in filling out this chart. Um, so it can either be a board mem member or um, someone on your staff who has a specialization in this area. So you'll fill in their name and then their position. Um, you know, maybe that's, that's the board chair, maybe it's the executive director or the finance officer. The number years of years of experience that they have in this competency area. And then you'll tell us whether they're a board member or a staff member. We've also added other as an option with the recognition that sometimes you contract with um, somebody who provides you with uh, your financial management um, expertise. So this is our way of acknowledging that um, we would like to see these competencies represented in each organization and um, that those competencies might not be contained just in your board. They might also um, come from your staff members. So just choose the person that you feel is, is most representative for each of those competency areas or maybe the person that has the most uh, years of experience. It doesn't matter to us. We won't take points off. Um, you know, as to whether they're a board member or a staff member, um, we just are looking and scoring based on whether you have somebody who has relevant experience in each of those six areas. 
For your budget request, uh, we'd like to know if you received county funding last year. Um, we'd like to know how much you were awarded. And then this is the big um, request that you are making for our um, county funds for this year. So fill in however much you're requesting for the fiscal year 20 grant application cycle. We also would like to know how you are going to use the county funds. This is basically your budget request. Um, we'd like you to provide a cost calculation for each of the line items in your request and then a description of the items that you're requesting. So in terms of cost calculation, uh, for example, a salary would be calculated as the um, amount per hour times the number of hours worked per week times 52 weeks a year, and then you'd multiply that by the percentage you're requesting from county funds to get that calculation. Rent would be uh, the amount you pay per month times the number of months, 12 months, um, times the amount that you are requesting, uh, the percentage you're requesting from county funds. So there's a little more information in the um, program uh, grants manual if you want to refer to that and see some examples of how you can provide a cost calculation. We also want to know how you develop the funding amounts that you've requested. Are these areas that um, you've received county funding for in the past? Uh, is that a new program? How did you determine exactly what it is you wanted to ask for from the county? And then how is that funding request related to the outcomes that you proposed in your evaluation plan? We like to see a direct link between the outcomes that you are requesting, the need that you've described, and then the funding that you're requesting. If you were fully funded, what percentage of your organization or local chapters um, Nine, uh, fiscal year 19 revenues would the county funds comprise? And we want you to show how you um, have calculated this percentage. Basically, what we're asking you for here is to um, take your actuals from your most recent fiscal year and um, multiply them by 30 percent. Uh, your request should be no more than that amount. Um, so we just want sort of a basic calculation that um, shows us what percentage your request is of your um, of your total operating budget. Question 14, um, we'd like to know your sustainability plan for the program. Are there other resources that you're planning to use to support the continuation of the program. That might include funding requests that you have already submitted and um, ones that are being considered and ones that have already been awarded. But also think in terms of other types of sustainability. It might be that as a result of receiving funding, you are able to develop um, new uh, trainings or do professional development for staff who then will be able to carry out the programs. Maybe you'll be able to buy supplies or equipment 
that will allow you to continue the program as you move forward. The other useful thing to think about is partnerships that you might form as a result of the uh, funding that you've received. So a great example of that is um, a program I once managed in Pennsylvania that um, provided mental health case workers to go out on calls with um, local law enforcement. It was so effective and so popular that the um, county's um, health center decided that they were going to take over funding it and then law enforcement was so impressed by it that they um, chipped in funding towards it. So the county didn't have to seek grants to fund that particular program anymore because the program was so successful that the other partners um, bought into it quite literally and um, invested in it and on an ongoing basis. Uh, this is something we will also talk a, a bit more about, but um, if your organization has a fiscal agent, you should attach the executed uh, agreement or MOU, um, as well as the fiscal agent's 990 and audited financials here. And we'll discuss what that means a little later. If this is a partnership application, this is where you will attach the executed agreement or MOU for fiscal year 20. And this is where you will attach the financial statements for each of your partners if you are turning in a partnership application. Part seven is required documentation that needs to be uploaded. We ask for your most recent audited financial statement. We ask for uh, your organization's 2017 and 2018 financial reports. If you do not have an audit or a review that's been done by an independent auditor, then these 2017 and 2018 financial reports need to be signed by either your board chair or your board treasurer. Basically, we just need some kind of verified financials from you, uh, whether those are independently audited or reviewed or whether they are verified by your board chair or treasurer. We'd like to see a copy of your current strategic plan. Um, strategic planning is something we're going to do a deeper dive on later on, but it needs to be um, valid for the current fiscal year. And it needs to list the organization's goals, strategies, resource requirements, and the time frame for accomplishing objectives. You should also upload your valid 501c3 designation letter here. Um, we've also added a certificate of good standing with the Virginia SCC as one of our requirements, and I'll talk about obtaining that in just a little bit. We also want to see your 990 form. Um, if you received funding from us in the past, you'd like to see your mid-year report for the current funding year. If you received uh, funding last year, we'd like to see your final report. And if you are not able to provide uh, one of the required documents, you can explain in this box. The other thing I'd point out is that if you can't provide one of the documents, 
Um, what we're asking is that you type something up in a Word document that explains why you can't and that you upload it there um, where indicated and provide us a little explanation down there. The other thing we want to see is um, sort of a digital signature. And so in this box, you will fill in the email address for the authorizing official for your organization. It might be your CEO. It might be your board chair. Um, whoever is authorized to sign a grant would um, have their email address entered here. Now, there are two options at the bottom. Um, if you are not finished, if you want to work on this over time within the uh, application, you can click Save as Draft. It brings up um, a box. It's going to look a little different from this because I already have a LaserFiche account. But it's going to ask you to put in your email address and a, create a password. Uh, make sure that you remember and write down the password that you have created because um, if you don't, then we'll have to get our uh, information technology department involved to try to figure out what password you created uh, so you can access your form again. And finally, when you're all done and you're ready to turn this in, you're going to hit the submit button. If you left anything uh, blank or didn't fill in something that was required, then you're going to get bright red notices um, of anything that needs to be filled in. It won't let you submit until you've typed in something for each of those. So if you need to type in zero or not applicable, you can do that. Um, once you've successfully completed all of the required fields, you'll hit submit and you will get a confirmation page that says, thank you for submitting your application. You also will receive an email that comes from me saying your application's been uh, received. And if you don't receive that email within an hour or two of submitting your application, check your spam filter and then give me a call to let me know that um, you did everything to submit the application, but you never got a verification. OK, so that is an overview of the um, application itself. We're going to talk a little bit more in depth and um, go back to the uh, training slides. All right. So as I mentioned, we have a new requirement this year, um, and this stems from um, some requirements for setting up new vendors through our procurement um, office. Um, we require a current certificate of good standing from the State Corporation Commission, the SCC, and I have the website there. Um, now these Certificates typically cost about $6. You order them online and you get um, a PDF version of it instantly. However, if you don't want to pay $6 for that certificate, you can take a screenshot of the SCC webpage that states that you're eligible to order a certificate of good standing. That looks something like this. Um, you may order a certificate of good standing for the following corporation as of the date set forth below. 
Um, and then it will show your ID, your organization name, and the date. Um, so you can just do a screenshot if you don't want to pay the $6 for that certificate. Um, I will let you know that if you are not in good standing, you will not get this message. Instead, you'll get a message that says uh, you are not eligible to order a certificate of good standing for the following reasons. And it will tell you what you need to do. Um, maybe it's pay a fee. Maybe it's turn in an annual report. Um, but you'll need to take care of that before you will be considered in good standing um, to get that certificate. I highly recommend starting that process now. Um, it can take several weeks to get some of those issues re resolved with the SCC. So that's something I recommend if you're watching the webinar right now, um, pause it, go check your status with the SCC. All right, so we have um, specific uh, scoring criteria for each of the sections. And if you go to the manual on page 15, you'll actually see the point value for each question that we're asking on the application. But in terms of uh, the areas that we're evaluating, 18% of your score is the background and services of the organization. 25% is a demonstration of need for the service within the community. 15% is your goals and outcomes evaluation plan. 24% is the financial health and budget request. And 18% is the adequate management and administration of resources um, or organizational health. Um, for many grants, it's a little different. And um, that is 24% of the score is for the services of the organization. 24% is for demonstration of need. 24% for the goals and outcomes evaluation. And then 28% is the financial health of the organization and your budget request. So the mini grant program, as I mentioned, was um, instituted last year, and it was designed specifically for organizations that have a pretty limited need or just a small program that they want to get funded. Um, it could be an organization of any size. We also, though, wanted to give uh, some of our smaller or newer organizations that maybe don't have the capacity to complete the full grant application um, a shot at um, grant funding. Um, it's a great way to gain experience if you're new to grant writing um, because it is a simpler format. If you are a smaller new agency and um, you're interested in applying for more than $5,000, we do have two other options for you. So first of all, you can apply with a fiscal agent or a fiscal sponsor. Um, and typically that's best for small nonprofits that don't have an independent audit or review. Um, and basically fiscal agency means that a small nonprofit with its own tax exempt status contracts with another nonprofit that's larger and um, typically more financially sound. 
and that larger nonprofit provides financial or administrative support for them. The other option that is new for this year um, is partnership applications, which we've talked a little bit about. And really what the county wants to do is encourage um, collaboration and partnerships across organizations. Now, if you're planning on applying as part of a partnership, you'll need to designate a lead organization who will be the ones that receive the funds and they will basically fill out all of their information on the application form. They will be contractually responsible for dispersing the funds to the partners, administering the grant, doing the reporting, and delivering the project. Um, the MOU that you need to create if you're doing a partnership um, will outline all of the responsibilities of each partner agency and should also give an overview of the funding that's to go to each agency as well. If you choose to submit a partnership application, you cannot submit individual applications. Everybody then uh, who is partnering needs to submit their financial information and that's something that we will be taking a look at. The benefit of a partnership application uh, is that we will offer up to 10 bonus points for a valid uh, partnership. Um, so again, these are bonus points. They will not negatively impact organizations that are applying individually without a partnership. Make sure that as you are writing up the um, application that you clearly describe the planned role and responsibilities of each partner at all of the stages of the project. Um, also, it's important to note that um, we can fund up to 30% of the combined operating revenues of the partnering applicants as long as the request doesn't exceed 10% of our total grant program budget allocation, um, which I said, if we were basing it on our fiscal year 19 allocation would be about $109,000. So let me give you an example of what that looks like. Um, you have two organizations uh, that each have a operating budget of $100,000. Um, you combine, you add the two operating budgets together and get $200,000. 30% of that is $60,000. So that's the maximum amount that you can apply for in a partnership application. I wanted to share with you a couple of resources for those of you who maybe are new to the county and are looking to collaborate with other um, organizations providing similar services or working in um, the same areas. Uh, there's a county resource directory that's available at the link that's on your screen. Um, it provides a list of various human service organizations that are known to the county. 
And the other resource that I highly recommend is the Loudoun Human Services Network. And that's made up of both nonprofit and government agencies that are providing human services. Uh, we meet every other month at the HealthWorks building in Leesburg. And it's great for networking among human service organizations and just a wonderful source of information about trainings, about um, opportunities that are happening in the community. Um, there's a mailing list and you receive um, all kinds of information that might be relevant uh, for the individuals you're serv serving. Um, you can find out more information and sign up for the email list at the link that's at the bottom of the screen. All right, the next phase then after you submitted the application is review by the county. You can see here an actual photo of our review panel from last year. Um, all kidding aside, we are a group of um, five county staff people, uh, two of us from the financial side and then three program area experts. So your application is going to be reviewed by people who are actually providing human services through the county in the same field that you are providing services. Um, Department of Family Services, MHSADS, um, Parks and Recreation, uh, the uh, Agency on Aging, um, Health Department, uh, juvenile services and community corrections. Those are our reviewers will be pulled from all of those various departments. And then we'll do the application scoring. Again, you can get a little more information on this in the um, application manual that's available on the website. Um, but the team will use the Commonwealth's best value rating method. This is something the state of Virginia uses to score um, some of their grants. It's a scale of zero to three. And then uh, the score is weighted to reflect each question's value. Three means acceptable. The response demonstrates a very good fit with the objectives of the question. There may be strengths and weaknesses. However, strengths greatly outweigh the weaknesses. Two is marginal. The response demonstrates a fair fit with the objectives of the question. Weaknesses are present but can be corrected. And one means unacceptable. The response fails to demonstrate a fit with the objectives of the question or is generally deemed unresponsive to the question. The response has one or more significant weaknesses that outweigh the strengths. Weaknesses will be very difficult to correct or are not correctable. Zero basically means that the information that's required is missing. Based on those total scores, the review team will then develop recommendations for funding. Um, the final approved funding amount will be based on the available funding, the volume of requests, the application score, reasonability of proposed budget items and cost for services, and then the ratio of county funding to the organization's overall operating revenues. As we've mentioned before, that's the 30%. If you need guidance in determining an appropriate funding level, um, give me a call or shoot me an email and I can help you develop that. Awards themselves will be announced publicly at the April 18th 
Board of Supervisors meeting. And we will uh, let all of the applicants know of your status within one week after the meeting. So that's whether or not you're funded, you're going to uh, get an email from me. Funding begins on July 1st, 2019, and then expires on June 30th, 2020. So now we're ready to take a deep dive into some um, important topics for um, organizations that are applying for this grant. Evaluation. Why is it important to evaluate programs? Um, evaluation supports program and strategic planning. It can help to communicate your organization's story. It can help you to track progress toward your goals, and it serves as a basis for ongoing learning to make work stronger and more effective. This is an overview of the um, sort of flow chart that uh, describes the connection between um, these different areas uh, and and what we'd like to see coming out of your evaluation plan. So we start with the mission. The mission of our nonprofit human services grant program is to support local nonprofits providing services that assist vulnerable and disadvantaged individuals and families in meeting a critical need for safety, health, security, and independence. The, that connects directly then to our areas of need, which we've covered in the pre previous part of the training. Prevention, self-sufficiency, crisis intervention and diversion, long-term support, and improved quality of human services. These uh, particular uh, areas of need then um, tie directly to the outcomes that we as the county uh, want to see coming out of this program, the desired outcomes. Um, individuals and families became or remained independent and stable. The need for crisis intervention or long-term support services was presented. Individuals and families in crisis overcame immediate problems. Individuals or families in crisis were prevented from needing more restrictive and expensive higher-level services. Individuals who have continuing long-term support needs remain healthy, safe, and independent in the community. And community organizations provided improved or enhanced quality, accessibility, accountability, or coordination of services. Now, as part of your evaluation plan, we're going to ask each of you to identify one of these outcomes um, as an outcome that you um, anticipate um, stemming from the programming that you want to fund. And then if we achieve those outcomes, that will lead us to impact the uh, vision that we have for Loudoun County, which is all Loudoun residents will be safe, healthy, secure, and independent. Now, as I mentioned, you can go to the website to download the evaluation plan template. And I'm going to bring that up right now and we'll walk through that together. 
you can see that uh, flowchart that uh, we just reviewed is on the first page. Then you have instructions on how to fill out the chart and um, an example that we'll walk through here. The template itself is on the third page. You'll fill in all of the white areas, leave the areas that are grayed out blank. You're actually going to do your quarterly reporting on the same form. Um, so that's why we have those columns in place. All right, going back to the example, um, you're going to want to identify the area of need um, and the outcome that your program uh, falls under. So in this example, uh, which is an underage drinking prevention and cessation program, um, one of the programs meets the need of prevention. And the outcome that they've chosen from the list right here is that the need for crisis intervention or long-term services was prevented. Now, they developed an objective um, that 95% of teen participants will remain alcohol-free for at least three months. The data that source that they're going to use in order to determine um, whether they've achieved that successfully is a participant survey that was conducted three months after the program end. <clears throat> and then as, as an example, they set up um, a target for the first quarter of 96% or 48 of the 50 teen participants report no alcohol use. Um, they then set up a mid-year target for 96 out of 100 teen participants, a third quarter target, 147 out of 100 teen participants. And then the final target you can see directly relates to the objectives that they created. So their final target is that 95%, which is 190 out of 200 anticipated participants, um, report no alcohol use. The uh, Example that we're using um, has a prevention program, but it also has an intervention element for teens who are already identifying as alcohol drinkers. So the second um, objective that this organization has created falls under the area of need of intervention. And within that, they've identified Individuals or families in crisis were prevented from needing more restrictive and expensive higher level services as their outcome from the list. The objective for this one that they've created is um, numerical as opposed to a percentage. They've said 15 teen participants who identified as alcohol drinkers will remain alcohol free for at least three months. They will know that through their data source. Uh, participant interviews that were conducted three months after the program ended. Their first quarter target is four of the five teen participants who identify as alcohol drinkers report no alcohol use. Mid-year target is seven of the 10 teen participants who identified as alcohol drinkers report no alcohol use. Um, third quarter, they're projecting they will have had 13 of the 15 teens. And then by the final target, that reflects once again, the objective 
15 of the 20 teen participants who identified as alcohol drinkers reported no alcohol use. Now you might also notice as we go through, um, we are not looking just at a single quarter's numbers, but it's cumulative. Um, it's the year to date number that you have served by the program. So we're trying to keep that consistent. So in the first quarter, they served five. Um, by the end of the uh, second quarter, they had served 10. So that dates from um, July 1 to December 31st. Um, and then they add additional participants as time goes on. So as I said, you're going to use this uh, template to fill in your own information about your programs. And um, then this will also be the reporting mechanism that you use. So we'll go back to the slideshow here. Now, we'll talk a little bit more about goals, um, objectives, and outcomes. And unfortunately, this can be somewhat confusing because um, some funders or other folks uh, use these terms interchangeably. So we're talking about them in terms of how we see them in Loudoun County and how we're expecting you to um, portray them in your evaluation plan. You want to start with goals that are derived from the mission statement to help set the program's direction. And then the objectives you develop will help to nail down what must actually be accomplished to achieve those goals. Um, typically, you're going to need multiple objectives for one goal. Um, the outcomes then will provide measurable effects that the program will accomplish. Here's an example. Let's say your goal is to improve the health status of Loudoun County children ages birth to five years. Your objective is that 90% of parents will understand the importance of childhood immunization. And the outcome is that increased numbers of parents take their children to be immunized. You want your objectives to be smart. That's specific, measurable, aggressive, but attainable, results oriented and time bound. So Specific objectives include who, what, and where, and they use only one action verb to avoid any issues with measuring success. So you don't want to say we will prevent and intervene. You want to say we will prevent something. And then in another objective, we will intervene with some behavior. Measurable means a focus on how much change is expected. Aggressive but attainable means that you are creating objectives that are realistic given your existing resources and the planned implementation. And you might want to uh, take a look back at previous performance measures uh, to see what is uh, attainable for you. You also want your objectives to be results oriented. That means directly related to the program goals and they need to be time bound. So for um, our example, they need to be limited to uh, the fiscal year of uh, 2020 that you're gonna be receiving grant funding. An example objective. Um, so this is a week objective. We will train 30 employees in CPR. That is great, but um, we need to know why 
you're doing that, what you expect um, to, what benefit you expect to derive from that training. So a stronger objective is that 90% of employees receiving CPR training will show a gain in knowledge of life-saving techniques as indicated by pre and post test. So hopefully you can see the difference there. Um, this uh, really emphasizes um, the benefit and how you know that people are benefiting from um, whatever training you are providing. The scope of your outcomes are um, basically realistic boundaries that are um, based on where your program reaches. So that might be geographical. Um, it could be that you target residents of Loudoun County in general. It could be that you target specifically students who are attending Tuscarora High School. Maybe you have um, a focus on specific ages, like youth ages 8 to 12 or children grades K to 6. Maybe it's uh, income level or financial circumstances, like low-income individuals or individuals who are middle class with bad credit. Maybe you have um, an ethnicity or cultural um, focus, predominantly Latino or recent immigrants. Um, and there may be some other characteristics, uh, such as, you know, we focus on individuals who are part-time workers or we focus on individuals who have been victims of abuse. Um, the other thing to consider as you're developing your outcomes is what outcomes do your programs prevent? So maybe you're preventing a cost uh, for higher level services, either short term or long term. Um, if it's possible, calculate how much money you're saving if we were to implement your program. Um, a good example of that would be um, a program that prevents somebody from returning to um, prison. If you can show that you have prevented three people from spending um, 30 days in prison and you know how much it costs per day per person um, to um, house a person at the state prison, um, then you can show the count, the cost savings in your calculations. Now, in terms of developing your quarterly targets, you're going to um, take a look and, and develop that number that you expect to reach each quarter. There are a couple of ways of doing it. You can divide your projected yearly total by four if you pretty much have a consistent number of people throughout the year that you serve. You can take a look back at your previous fiscal year and look at the same quarter um, for the numbers that you served and base it on that. Um, some programs are, are affected by different seasons. So for example, um, maybe your program provides um, activities for youth in the summer. Well, obviously you're going to have a much higher um, number that you're reaching in the summer than you are throughout the fall, winter, and spring quarters. So you'll wanna make sure that you base it on uh, the summer from the previous fiscal year. Uh, if you're a new program, you can take a look at the industry standards. So take a look at other programs that are similar to yours and how many 
individuals they serve. Um, or you can look at other jurisdictions that are nearby or that are similar to Loudoun County and uh, find out from them what um, kinds of numbers they're seeing in the programs uh, that they are providing that are similar to yours. Now, once again, um, the report, when you do your reports, the actuals for each quarter need to be reported cumulatively. And they, so they represent the year to date totals. So that would be July 1st, 2018, 2019 actually, till the date of the report. When you develop your performance measures, um, there are a couple of different ways that you can portray that data. It could be a number, uh, it could be a percentage, it could be a percent increase or a percent decrease, or it could be a cost savings. In terms of data sources, um, these are some examples of types of instruments that you can use to provide data. So you might want to take a look at using surveys, especially for a broader audience or um, maybe uh, getting the opinions of your local community. You can do program evaluations um, for those who are participating in your programs in particular. Uh, you can record your data uh, and information in a database and provide a report based on that. You can take a look at participation records for your programs. Um, if you're doing a more intensive uh, work, you can um, track information through your case files. You may want to do interviews if you're, once again, talking about impacting the community or, or a specific group of people. Um, or you can do focus groups of individuals who maybe have been impacted by your program. And one of the more challenging things for those of you who are applying for operational support is figuring out how exactly to create strong objectives. So what kind of objectives come from paying the rent or paying salaries? And I would encourage you to really kind of step back and take a look at the if-then scenarios. So for example, with rent. If we don't have rent money, then we will not have adequate space for our program and we would not be able to increase the GPAs of 50 teens. So the objective for that is that 50 teens will increase their GPAs through our after school program. And you would explain the only way we can provide our after school program is if we actually have a physical building to provide it in. And we obviously need rent money in order to have a physical building. For the salary, uh, we are unable to pay staff a competitive salary, then we'll not be able to retain high quality certified staff to lead programs. So the objective for that would be five programs rated as high quality, led by certified staff, will be provided to community members. Um, so I hope that helps you as you're considering um, an operational request, I hope that helps you to uh, think about sort of the larger impact that the funding would have on the individuals that you're serving. Okay, our next deep dive topic is strategic planning.
there are a lot of great strategic planning quotes. So this one I thought was was great. When your headlights aren't on, the best rearview mirror available isn't likely to improve your driving. So um, the information that funders are able to get from um, organizations is mostly rearview information. It's your um, financials from the past several years. It's your um, annual reports from the previous year. It's um, outcomes from previous years. Um, maybe it's your um, accomplishments or milestones from the past. But it's also important for us to be able to see where you're planning on going and how the funding that you're requesting fits in with um, that plan that you have for your future. So in strategic planning, there are four critical steps. Um, first of all, you want to achieve strategic clarity. That means you need to clarify your organization's goals. You need to develop a concrete statement of the impact the nonprofit will hold itself accountable for, in what time frame and for whom, and how the nonprofit's work will lead to that impact. I should mention that um, this information comes from uh, bridgespan.org, which is a very, very good um, source of information for nonprofit strategic planning. Second of all, set your strategic priorities. Um, figure out which specific actions and activities need to take place um, so that you can set changes in motion. And that will entail evaluating your current programming and identifying opportunities to modify, expand, or eliminate certain programs, conducting an internal analysis, which might be like a program evaluation, um, in order to figure out how well your current programs are fulfilling their intended impact and mission. And you might need to eliminate some programs if they aren't making the cut. You also need to conduct an external analysis. Um, some people call this benchmarking or landscape analysis. Um, I've also heard it called an environmental assessment. And that will help you to answer some key questions about your nonprofit's strengths and weaknesses as it relates to other nonprofits in the same field. And then it, how it fits into the broader ecosystem. So in this case, it would be how it fits into the human services in Loudoun County. You also need to take a look at resource implications. Most obviously, that means financial implications, um, what's going to be required to fund any projected changes. Um, take a look at staffing requirements or other organizational resources that you might need to get to these priorities. It's important to identify a clear funding model that can help you to estimate how much money you can raise in the future to pursue those priorities. Um, and your strategic plan ought to be ambitious, but also realistically achievable and not foolishly optimistic. So um, you can't be dependent on the fact that you're going to get a $2 million federal grant if your current operating budget is $100,000 and you've never applied for a federal grant before. And fourth uh, critical step is developing an implementation plan. 
and establishing performance measurement. You'll need to clearly lay out the steps that are needed for each of your strategic priorities, assign who will be responsible for each step, and then um, align those with both quantitative and qualitative milestones that need to be tracked. Uh, these milestones will help your organization stay on track over time and measure the progress that you've made toward achieving your intended impact. <clears throat> Setting up um, milestones and then referring back to them as you are carrying out your strategic plan is a very good practice to get into. And it sort of ensures that you're not creating a strategic plan that then sits and collects dust on the shelf. Um, one of the things I found incredibly helpful when I was leading a small nonprofit was after we did strategic planning, we would refer back to that strategic plan um, regularly at our board meetings. And, you know, all the board members had a copy of it. We also included our top five strategic priorities on each board agenda. And as new ideas or new programs came up and were were discussed, we were able to look down and refer specifically to those priorities and see whether that program fit with those priorities. If it didn't, then we didn't pursue it. We also ask that you keep in mind realistic goals. Uh, I was recently at a uh, conference on nonprofit organizations and uh, some of the research being done in that field. And Tim Hanstead, who's the CEO of an organization called Landessa, spoke. Um, and he said, strategy is all about what you say no to. So his team's commitment to their focused mission led them to turn down enormous, like millions of dollars in grant money that would have led their organization astray and would have taken them away from their core mission. So instead of changing the organization's mission statement or changing its priorities, they said, no, we can't accept this. We um, need to be focused on this area that we've determined um, is where the need is. So there are a couple of questions that I really recommend you ask yourself before you begin a strategic planning process, um, especially for middle sized or larger organizations. Uh, the strategic planning process can take three to six months in order to, um, you know, fully be developed and, and ready to implement. So do you have sufficient time and energy to make that process worthwhile? And then who's going to be involved in that process and what are the expectations or the time that's going to be required of them? Typically, your planning team includes your executive director, your finance person, and then any key program leaders. And also um, two or three board members need to be involved. Obviously, the board needs to sign off on a strategic plan, um, but it's a good idea to have them as part of that planning process as well um, in some form. The other thing I would mention is that if at all possible, it is best practice to bring in an external facilitator to help you organize the planning process and to facilitate discussions. This person would then be unbiased and wouldn't have kind of their own agenda that they're driving um, to try to make sure that um, you all are are really honestly seeing the uh, strengths and weaknesses of your organization. 
Now, this is a big challenge because, especially in our area, uh, facilitators can cost a lot of money. Um, so I think that uh, you can ask around other organizations that maybe are a similar size and see who they've worked with. Maybe there are some individuals in the community that do it for a reduced cost. Um, the other thing that I would recommend that I've seen uh, be successful in some communities is um, a talent exchange. So if you have an organization that you work closely with um, and neither and both of you plan on doing strategic planning, neither of you really have the resources to um, hire a facilitator, you could each identify one staff person and do sort of a swap where that staff person from your organization conducts and facilitates strategic planning for the partner organization and vice versa. So I've seen that done successfully in some communities and it might be something you want to consider. Um, the other thing I would mention at this point is that within the next several months, um, our community foundation is planning on offering um, a much more in-depth training on strategic planning and bringing in a consultant um, to talk more about that process. Um, so keep an eye out for that. I'll send it out um, through our email list and make sure that everybody uh, knows when that's going to happen. So why do we, the county, as funders or, or funders in general, care about your strategic plan? As I mentioned at the beginning, apart from seeing what you did in the past, there aren't a lot of ways that we can assess the health and viability of your organization. Um, it's not really realistic for us to go and sort of set up camp in your office for a month uh, to see how you operate on a day-to-day -day basis or to hear discussions about future plans. Um, background and accomplishments are important, but um, we do need to see what you're planning to do and how you're planning to do it in the future. Strategic plans also give us insight into the priorities of your organization and where that program that you want us to fund fits in the grand scheme of the organization's mission. Is it core and essential to your organization's mission or is it just something that would sort of be kind of nice and cool to uh, try out? Your strategic plan also shows the commitment of your board to sustaining the organization. It shows that they care about the next three to five years of your organization and um, that they want to be involved in charting that course. So I can speak specifically for the county um, in answering the question, what do funders want to see in a plan? We don't care about a specific type of template, but there are some um, things that we do want to look at and see in a in a strategic plan as we are scoring. Um, so it needs to be for the current fiscal year. Um, we do recognize that some people are already in their strategic planning process um, or are kind of in the middle of it or are planning to do it with the next within the next couple of months. If that's the case, Attach your most recent strategic plan and then a note saying we are currently uh, engaged in the strategic planning process and we'll have a new plan in place as of whatever date you're anticipating. 
Um, it also should list your organization's goals, strategies or actions, resource requirements. So again, that's personnel and financial and the time frame for accomplishing the objectives. In addition, it should indicate the date it was approved by your organization's board. Um, if you don't have a strategic plan, but you do have a business plan or a strategic framework or a fundraising plan, um, that's OK. So long as you have the above elements um, that are part of it. If you have several different plans that cover all of those um, elements, you can attach all of them in the application. And once again, um, just want to emphasize the importance of tying in financial planning as part of your strategic planning. Um, and this comes directly from Blue Avocado, which is a uh, website that gives some really great and um, um, very uh, useful advice for nonprofits. Financial sustainability needs to be at the core of planning and the establishment of goals. But neither should a strategic plan simply be about following the money. Strong executives steer planning discussions along the lines of financial viability, but discussing revenue strategies and opportunities should be an essential, explicit part of strategy. So in other words, hope is not a strategy. Um, so we want to be sure that you have some kind of basis for any type of future plans um, that you've laid out in your strategic plan. These are a couple of uh, tips, once again, from Blue Avocado that will help to strengthen your strategic planning processes. Um, you know, again, I'm aware that a lot of our um, established organizations have a strategic plan in place, and this might just be something that is um, helpful in rethinking the strategic planning process. So first of all, it's helpful to focus on questions that need answers. So begin by asking, what are the four or five questions to which we must have unambiguous answers by the end of this process? That might be something like, do we need to buy a larger building? Do we need to restructure um, one of our programs? There may be things that are already on your mind as kind of key important questions and go ahead and set those out up front um, so that you know by the end of your strategic planning process, you are going to have a decision made on those um, specific questions. Um, undertake a strategic learning agenda. So this is an approach to uh, identify what your organization needs to learn about. Um, it helps you to find information about maybe some trends in your particular field and about the competition or others who are providing this service. Um, it can get your board members and your staff to take a look at new ideas, new situations, and can really give you some um, creative decision making points. Um, fundraising. <coughs> It can be a very important part of your strategic planning strategy, um, especially if you are looking at uh, revamping the programs you already have in place. So um, the recommendation from Blue Avocado is that you have a board 
staff task force look at all of your fundraising activities and mark each one as something to stop, something to change dramatically, something to put on hiatus, something to invest more staff or consultant time in, or a new activity to explore. You can also take your strategic planning time as a time to adjust your business model. So especially if you have concerns about your finances, you can take a look at both the programs and the revenues those programs are generating together. Um, now, this is important because you can't really look at your program goals without thinking about the money and you can't look at your fundraising and earned income without thinking about the current or future programs. So this gives you sort of a realistic idea of um, how much each of your programs is costing and the impact that it's making on the community. Um, another tip that I thought was very uh, interesting and timely is community oriented decision making. Typically, when we do strategic planning, it's about the organization and organizational sustainability. But if you take a look at the community, um, you can ask the question, who is our constituency? What do they need our organization to be doing right now? And that can help to lead you to new activities that maybe um, makes you a focal point for that constituency and that community. And it can help to change the focus of um, who you represent and who you hold yourselves accountable to. So one final quote on strategic planning. Vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. All right. Now we have um, a little uh, discussion of organizational governance. Um, we've talked a little bit about how um, we have sort of tried to take a look at the uh, strengths of your organization. Um, one of those ways is through governance competencies. As we discussed when we were, were reviewing the application, nonprofit researchers have identified six areas of nonprofit governance competencies, and those are your financial management, legal matters, personnel management, operations, public relations, and strategic thinking and planning. So if you off the top of your head can't identify who on your board or staff has these competencies, um, maybe consider conducting a quick board and management staff survey where you ask each of them to self-report which areas of specialization they possess on these skills. You might find that you don't have somebody who has one of these specific skill areas. And that would be a great way for you then to think about adding additional board members who do have that um, area of competency. So once again, we want to acknowledge that um, governance does not solely lie with the board. And uh, these skills might be represented by your management level staff, which is why we've made that flexible. Now, in terms of your board makeup, there are several different things that we look at as we are reviewing your board list. We'd like to see that your board members have different types of competencies, different levels of experience, and different professional backgrounds. 
Um, typically, a board should have more than five members that represent diverse backgrounds. And that means um, in terms of age, in terms of gender, in terms of uh, racial background, um, even if you're serving the entirety of Loudoun County, you should probably have somebody from Western Loudoun as well as Eastern Loudoun on your board. In addition, board members should not be related to management level paid staff because this can create a conflict of interest. So why does it matter to uh, us whether you have a strong or weak board governance? Well, more than half of nonprofits have weak board governance. A nonprofit cannot thrive for long without strong board governance. But governance is one of the most challenging areas for nonprofits to get right. And survey responses indicate that 56% of organizations struggle with board governance. That comes from a survey out of Stanford on the leadership and management in the nonprofit sector. So the other thing that we look at is your financial health as an organization. Um, this year we'll be using a tool that was developed by researchers and foundations who are partnering together. And we're going to take a look at indicators from your 990 or your audit. And um, one of those is the um, that you have multiple years of an operating surplus. We're going to look to see that your revenue composition is not overly reliant on one funder or one funding source. Um, again, that's why the county does not fund more than 30 percent of your revenue for one year. Um, we look to see that your program expense percentage is more than 65%. Your management and general expenses are less than 25%. Your fundraising expenses are less than 15%. We want to see that you have more than three months of liquid, unrestricted net assets. And that basically means um, your reserves um, and that's the portion of your organization's unrestricted net assets balance that could be converted to cash relatively easily if it was necessary. Uh, we calculate that as unrestricted net assets minus board designated reserves and the equity portion of your fixed assets. So when you subtract those two amounts, um, it removes the portion of the unrestricted net assets balance that's tied up in a building or equipment, designated funds, or other, other uh, non-liquid assets. Um, so that's an, that's an indicator that we will be looking at. We also want to see that your organization has more than one month of cash on hand, that your net, net assets have been increasing over the past three years, and that your current assets are larger than your current liabilities. One of the things that we um, are doing is, is we're assigning about two points um, to each of these elements. And um, so we know that not everybody will score perfectly on each element, um, but we didn't we didn't give an enormous amount of weight to any one element. Finally, I'm sharing some resources with you um, in some various fields. One is just general grant writing resources if uh, you're new to grant writing. Uh, I highly recommend the Grant Professionals Association. That's grantprofessionals.org. I've been a member, member of this for several years, 
and um, they do fantastic trainings, webinars, conferences. They have um, a forum where you can discuss uh, issues and ask questions of other professionals. Um, it's a really fantastic resource. Um, the Grantsmanship Center provides a lot of very good um, advice on grant writing. Thompson provides great federal grant information. Um, National Grants Management Association um, is another great uh, grant association, and they hold their annual conference um, in D.C. each year. The Foundation Center has a local D.C. office that you can go to and you can make use of their databases to search for grants. Um, I also recommend trainings from Grant Writing USA. We've had some of our staff attend those and they are very good. Um, the other thing you can do is take a look at our Grants 101 webinar, which is on the um, same page as the rest of the nonprofit resources. Um, I recorded that webinar last year um, as part of our nonprofit training, and that's posted there as well. In terms of evaluation, these are the three sources that I get a lot of my information from. Um, some of them include actual books on evaluation, this uh, institute of museum and library sciences um, website actually has a course that you can take on outcomes-based uh, evaluation. And finally, some strategic planning and nonprofit health resources are available at these, um, at these addresses. There's a couple of books that I really recommend. One is called Engine of Impact. The other is Nonprofit Sustainability. Um, two very good books, I think, for any executive director or board chair to read. The other thing I'd mention is a local resource, which is the loudonchamber.org slash nonprofits. Um, if you're a member of the Loudon Chamber or if you would like to become a member, um, they do have a nonprofit initiative and do some trainings and meetings around that um, topics that are of interest to nonprofits um, on a regular basis. So again, I thank you for um, watching this webinar. My contact information is listed here. Um, I'm in the Department of Management and Budget with the county, um, and you can reach out to me via email or by phone, and I'm happy to take any questions. Thanks once again, and good luck.